Oh man, what a wild week two we had in high school football across the state of Oklahoma. Hello everybody and welcome in to the Prep Red Zone Recap Podcast. Every single Sunday we recap the action that was uh, across the state of Oklahoma in high school football. We have new episodes coming out every single Thursday and Sunday. Our Thursday episodes preview, our Sunday episodes recap, and uh, doing it all is uh, yours truly, your host of the podcast, Michael Knight, the uh, website director for Prep Red Zone Oklahoma. We thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Prep Red Zone Recap podcast. And uh, for a lot of teams, week two was rivalry week. Uh, for a few teams, it was the last uh, last non-district game that they will have. A lot of teams... Uh, especially up in 6A1 with some of those top teams in the top five. I think all five uh, top teams in 6A1, as far as the top five is concerned, uh, will have week three off before opening up district play. So uh, for a lot of these teams, the last chance to kind of clean some things up before they go into district play, which uh, for those not as familiar with how the high school football schedule works, these first three games in non-district play specifically do not count towards playoff seeding. Uh, the games that take place between weeks four and week 10, those games do count towards playoff seeding. So uh, it's about to start uh, ramping up real quickly here as we get uh, further into the month of September. But as we do each and every single week with the recap podcast, we're going to do a few things. We're going to take a look back at the top 10 games every single Monday. We release our top 10 games of the week. Uh, coming up on, on Monday this week, we'll take a look at week three, but we'll take a look back at the top 10 week two games and how they turned out. Uh, we'll also take a look at some of the other notable scores from across the state because there's plenty of other uh, really good games and interesting outcomes uh, that weren't just top 10 games, and we'll take a look at some of those. We'll also uh, go to Coach's Corner where we're joined by several coaches throughout the state Coming up in this week's episode, we have Stillwater head coach Tucker Barnard, Jinx head coach Keith Riggs, and Dell City head coach Robert Jones. All three of those guys will join us here on the podcast. And before we get out of here, we had a couple more things for you. We'll take a look at some of the top performers uh, from week two, as well as take a sneak peek at week three, the uh, final week of non-district play for just about everybody now for a few of this a few of the small schools as in like 2a and a um there will be moments during the season uh during district play weeks four through ten uh where some of them depending on the district that they're in if they only have seven teams in their district well they might have an additional non-district game during those weeks so um, not every single game is a district game from 4 to 10, but you understand uh, what I'm saying. This is, for a lot of teams, the final tune-up before district play. So we'll take a sneak peek at some of the top games taking place in Week 3. And once again, we have a few really good ones right at the top uh, that will have a lot of people around the state interested uh, we'll do that towards the end of the podcast. But as we do each and every single week, we kick things off with the top 10 game recap. A lot of these games, you can check out the game recaps as well as scouting reports right now on Prep Red Zone Oklahoma. We were out at five different games within our top 10 from across the state of Oklahoma. So you can check out 
uh, that coverage right now. The game recaps do not require a subscription. Um, the scouting reports and, and all of our other content from top performers to our uh, updated weekly rankings and, and so on, uh, those do require subscriptions, but we always have that uh, coupon code for you to save 25%. Just enter NIGHT25, that's K-N-I-G-H-T, 2-5, and that'll save you 25% off your subscription if you want to check out that content. All right, our game of the week was the annual Backyard Bowl, Jinx and Union. Number two, Union taking on number three, Jinx, and the Trojans. They come out not only with a win, but uh, they they now all of a sudden look like a very dangerous team in 6A1. You knew that that defense was good, but to shut out Union for a second straight year, um, to hold their rushing attack to, to nothing, I mean, to, to give up zero points, that got everybody's attention, and rightfully so. Um, but another big headline coming out of that ball game was the emergence of their freshman, Shaker, um, the quarterback, and I'm not even going to try to do the, the last name right now. I'll figure it out throughout the week um, how to say his last name. So going towards the rest of the season, um, we'll know how to do it. But, uh, look, all, all I'm going to call him is Shaker. Um, the freshman QB, outstanding. And, and I knew that coming into the season. I saw Shaker a lot this offseason uh, with Sooner 7, his travel 7-on-7 seven seven team. And so I knew that he had what it took to to be QB one of the Trojans, but the fact that and you you could you can check out some of the stuff from Bill Haston of the Tulsa World. Um, according to Coach Riggs, Shaker didn't even know until the morning of the game that he was going to be starting, and the fact that they put that on a freshman on a kid who hadn't started a varsity game yet. Um, certainly has a lot of hype around him. I think he already has a Division One offer from San Jose State. Um, so, look, he, he's obviously a very special and, and talented quarterback, but at the same time, this is Jinx Union. This is the Backyard Bowl. And for the coaches at Jinx to, to know and understand that and trust that it wasn't going to overwhelm a freshman who has only been in high school for a couple of weeks, outstanding, out, out, outstanding. Now, look, the first throw was an interception, not what you would like, but at the same time, the second throw was a touchdown. So he immediately fixed that mistake. And look, he, he has some really good athletes around him. Uh, Jaden Carroll, Jalen Stanford, those two running backs are outstanding. So I think that, you know, plugging Shaker in, no offense to Ike Owens, but Shaker, I think, has the higher ceiling as far as just quarterbacks go. And, look, this is tough, man. It's high school football. You never want to, like, talk about how this kid is better than this kid. But at the end of the day, it is football. It is a sport. And, you know, we're playing for championships. And these teams are playing for championships. And one team is going to be crowned and all the other teams are not. And so it's tough. It's 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 a tough thing. It's kind of you know a thing that I I try to shy away from because you don't want to be seen as you're you're uh, talking poorly about it, but more so talking up the other kid. I mean that's kind of the the road I like to take. And Shaker's a special talent, man. And the fact that they trusted him in a big game like this, and the fact that he came out and performed, it, it's it's impressive. There, there's nothing else you can say but say it's impressive. And that the Jinx Trojans now. The defending state champion Jinx Trojans. I didn't think that they were in the conversation with Owasso and Union before this week. Um, 
I was dead wrong. Obviously, not only are they in the conversation, um, but maybe the conversation should start with them. So, look, I think that, uh, you know, Owasso has looked fantastic. We'll get to them in a little bit. They had no problems this week. Um, Jinx won't see them until the playoffs, and I know that those two are very familiar with each other after playing in the playoffs several years in a row now. Um, But I I don't think Union's going anywhere either. I think that this is a team that will – you know, bounce back. And we always see that with this Backyard Bowl series, man. If you've been around here and witnessed as many Jinx Union games as I have in the last 20, 25 years, you know that the regular season meeting, um, it's fun to talk about, but at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything. It's all about what happens in the playoffs. It's all about what happens in November and December. And there's been plenty of occasions where the team that wins the regular season meeting doesn't end up winning it all in the playoffs in November and December when, you know, a state championship is on the line, a berth in the state championship is on the line. Um, These two more than likely will see each other down the line eventually. And, uh, you know, who ends up coming out on top? You know, I think you have to favor Jinx at this point, but will it surprise me if Union comes out on top? Absolutely not. All right, moving on to our number two game. It was arguably the most exciting game of the the week, and it was a game that I was at personally, and I mentioned this, how, uh, you know, Jinx Union, Owasso Broken Arrow, those two games, rightfully so. They have a lot of hype around them, but I like that Stillwater Mustang game. I like that matchup, and man, did it pay off. Stillwater winning a classic 32-28 to Mustang scored with a little under four minutes to go as uh, they had first and goal from the one-yard line. They had first and goal at the one. And then a few plays later, a few penalties later, a few negative plays later, they had fourth and goal from the 22 and converted on a Tristan Russell touchdown pass to Andre Dollar. Uh, That was spectacular in itself. And then Stillwater responds um, they had fourth down as well near midfield. They got it to, uh, they got it close to the uh, midfield line, and they had fourth down. They needed five. They got sixty on a Gage Gundy touchdown pass with forty nine seconds left. Mustang would have an opportunity to uh, tie it, or excuse me, for, to to win it, as uh, they were they were able to actually get into Mustang ter- or excuse me, into Stillwater territory. But a Hail Mary, as time expired, was incomplete. So Stillwater getting a very exciting win over Mustang, 32-28. to You can read more about that game right now on Prep Red Zone, Oklahoma. Both of those teams, I thought, honestly, you know, I think they're evenly matched. I don't knock Mustang for losing this game on the road. You know, I, I thought it was crazy that they were even in it with that fourth down you know, 22 yard touchdown. The fact that they had the lead was insane. Uh, Stillwater, we're going to talk with their head coach, Tucker Barnard, here in a little bit. Um, you know, this is a good football team. It's definitely not a rebuilding year. I was really impressed with the Pioneers offensively, defensively. I love their offensive line. And uh, that running game, even though they don't have Quantrell Walker anymore, they don't have very many problems either. So I think that the Pioneers are, are just as good. You know, top to bottom, as we've seen. In fact, they might be a little bit deeper. They might not have that, you know, bell cow at running back like a Walker, but I'd like to know Roberts. I'd like the Thompson twins. Um, and, and Gage Gundy can even tuck it and run it as well. So I really like both teams coming out of that ballgame. 
Our number three game was the Patriot Cup, or uh, a.k.a. the Blankenship Bowl, as Owasso knocked off Broken Arrow 42-3. to Bill Blankenship, father, Josh Blankenship's son, and I mentioned it in the preview podcast how you, you knew one of these teams was going to win, and you knew that uh, you know both of these guys would be happy that it's in the past now, that they don't have to worry about it. Um, and that's kind of exactly what ended up playing out. You know, would you like to see Broken Arrow play better and keep it close? Yeah, but look, Owasso is the number one team for a reason. And uh, that offense, it hasn't shown any weaknesses yet. I mean, this this could be the best offense in, in the state, regardless of class. And Austin Havens, their junior quarterback, he has it absolutely running on all cylinders. So, very impressed with the Rams coming out of a 42-3 win over Broken Arrow. Our number four game, Heritage Hall, knocks off Clinton, 39-24. Speaking of a guy who's having no problems this year, Gavin Freeman. Uh, If you haven't watched Gavin Freeman play, what are you doing? You need to get out and watch this kid play. Um, He is outstanding. He is more than worth the price of admission. Uh, I don't know what a high school football ticket goes for, eight bucks, you know, ten bucks, depending on where you are. Uh, you know, I would pay, I'd pay 30, I'd pay 40, I'd pay, you know, let's not get crazy. Look, I get into all the games for free. So what am I saying? Gavin Freeman is an outstanding football player and he was at it again in their win against Clinton. He touched the ball just a few times and whenever he did, it was fireworks. I mean, he took a fumble back for a touchdown. Uh, he caught a touchdown. He is all over the field. He's making plays constantly. Uh, he's without a doubt one of the more dynamic players in the state of Oklahoma. And more importantly, Heritage Hall improves to 2-0 and on the season with a big win over Clinton, 39-24. to They wrap up non-district play uh, this week against John Marshall. Our number five game, Lincoln Christian knocking off Viam 49-13. Right there in the conversation with Gavin Freeman for, you know, best playmaker, most electric, whatever you want to call it, is Lincoln Christian quarterback Max uh, oh my gosh, Max Brown. Almost started blanking on his last name. Max Brown. Wanted to call him Max Johnson. Uh, I think that's the LSU quarterback. Max Brown for Lincoln Christian is putting up monster numbers so far this year, and he's doing it against really good competition. The non-district schedule for Lincoln Christian is not easy. It's included three of the best teams in Class 2A. Now, look, Lincoln's a 3A team, but still... In my opinion, it doesn't matter. You beat Beggs, you beat Jones on the road, you beat Vianne. And in all three games, you're putting up monster numbers. Max Brown has taken his game to a completely another level. There's a reason why he's already committed to a Division I program in Central Michigan. I think that he, at this point, has to be considered you know, talented enough to be you know, a lower-level Power 5 program guy. But at the same time, Lincoln Christian is absolutely rolling right now. They might be on a crash course for, for Holland Hall once again. They met in the state championship game a year ago. They could be on a crash course to meet in the state championship game, championship game again. Teams like Heritage Hall and Gavin Freeman are going to have something to say about that. Vertigris is going to have something to say about that. Plainview will have something to say about that. But Lincoln Christian, they they look just as good as they've looked over the last several years. I'm I'm absolutely impressed with them. Our number six game, Tuttle knocking off Newcastle 35-7. to Tuttle, 
once again showing that uh, they're one of the top teams in Class 4A. Another dominant performance against another good football team. And now they have a week off to prepare for a massive matchup to open up district play in Week 4 as they'll go on the road to take on Cushing. Cushing, all they did was absolutely smash Perkins Tryon and their quarterback, Blaze Berlowitz. Uh, he threw for nearly 500 yards. I mean, it's six, I think six touchdowns. I think that's what he ended with. Insane. I mean, this is one of the best quarterbacks in that junior class. Blaze Berlowitz. Uh, yeah, 457 yards and six touchdowns. Not bad. Not bad. Not a bad uh, day at the office for him. But uh, Cushing, before they can focus on Tuttle, uh, they have to go uh, on the road to take on Barry Hill in uh, week Three. So Cushing with another tough matchup coming up on Friday before that huge one versus two clash in Class 4A in Week 4. Our number seven game, Wagner bouncing back after a Week 1 loss to Kawita. They beat up on Tahlequah 21-7. That's good to see for Wagner. Um, you knew that even though it might be not necessarily a rebuilding year, but you know a regrouping year. They weren't going to be as dominant as what we saw from them a year ago. Um, they got absolutely housed by rival Kawita, but that's just, look, Kawita's really good. I think that you can look at, at the last two weeks and now know that Kawita's just a very good football team. They're 3-0 and on the season uh, with road wins over Bishop McGinnis and then against rival Wagner. So I think that you can, you know, more so talk about how Kawita is good as far as that is concerned. Wagner, uh, I don't believe they'll be tested this week. They have Sperry to wrap up non-district play. Our number eight game, Dell City, absolutely house Carl Albert, fifty-two to twenty. That certainly surprised me, as I thought going in it was relatively evenly matched but Dell City made uh made sure that that was not the case very quickly uh they won that one 52 to 20 our number nine game in fact these last three games absolute blowouts uh that I did not see coming our number nine game Bishop McGinnis and Bishop Kelly I thought that McGinnis was the better team I did not think that they were 43 points better than their rival Bishop Kelly, and that's what we ended up seeing as Bishop McGinnis won that one 49-6 in their annual Bishop Battle, and I tweeted this out on Friday night, the Bishop Battle turning into a Bishop blowout as McGinnis absolutely housed the Comets, and they'll keep that shillelagh right there in Oklahoma City. In fact, they took it back from Bishop Kelly after Kelly won their regular season meeting a year ago. And then our final game... Our number 10 game, another route man that I did not see coming. Marlowe just absolutely shelled Anadarko 58-6 to in another outcome did not see coming whatsoever. Anadarko dropping out of the top 10 in Class 3A after that. Marlowe looking, looking uh, incredibly impressive in Class 2A. And it just goes to show, 2A, I keep saying it, and I keep – Look, there's not too many times that I'm going to pat myself on the back, but, man, 2A is deep, and 2A is very talented. And that that 2A playoff later on this year is going to be an absolute bloodbath for throughout November. Whoever ends up making it to Watland Stadium, navigating their way through that 2A playoff bracket, they're going to earn their way to Watland Stadium. So Marlowe 
showing they're right there in that conversation as one of the best in 2A. They beat Anadarko 58-6. to Before we get to Coach's Corner, let's go over some notable scores real quickly. Choctaw losing their first game of the year. They went down to Texas to take on Dallas Chesuit, and they lose 36-29. to I'm going to be honest, I do not know anything about Dallas Jesuit, but if Choctaw loses to them, I'm assuming that they're a pretty good football team. Choctaw still one of the best teams in the 6A2. Don't take too much away from that game. Uh, They have, I believe, this week off before they open up district play in a huge one against Booker T. Washington. We'll learn more about that game, or we'll learn more about Choctaw in that game as opposed to this one. Lawton Mac, they are the city champs of Lawton after beating Lawton High 41-21. to MacArthur jumping up into the Class 5A rankings after uh, that win on Friday night. McAllister in a big rivalry game against Ada. They made it a bloodbath as well. They won it 42-14. to No problems there. Woodward knocking off and upsetting Bethany. Bethany taking a dip in the 4A rankings. They're still ranked, but uh, they dropped a couple of spots after the close loss to Woodward. Hildale shutting out Shakota 45 to nothing. Hildale looking really good uh, as they head into a, a, a tough stretch where they open up district play against a really good opponent in Poto. That's going to be another top five matchup in Class 4A. Plainview beating Cash 42 to 28. I told you. Plainview, I didn't care that they lost both of their first two games. This is still a really good team in Class 3A. And uh, they knock off Cash, a team that beat El Reno back in Week 0. So goes to show you what kind of team Cash is. Plainview able to get the win, 42-28. to Barry Hill, they put it on Cash Hall and that defense, 35-7. to Speaking of defense, OCS shutting out Crossings Christian, 9 to nothing. I still like that Crossings team. And uh, the start that they had. OCS is really good to hold them to just nine points. And uh, that game obviously was close throughout. I'm really impressed by both of those programs. Cashin, they continue to uh, roll after that uh, week zero loss to Rejoice. They beat Minko 48 to 6. And then Okima, they beat up on Pawnee 40 to 30. And they jump into the Class A rankings after that big win. They're off to an undefeated start as well. So there's a look at some of the other notable scores. Again, you can check out our updated team rankings right now on PrepRedZone.com slash Oklahoma. Our updated rankings from 6A1 all the way down to Class A. The top 10 in each class, who did they beat, where were they ranked, what was their record, as well as who do they have up next on the schedule. You can check all of that out right now on PrepRedZone.com. If you don't have a subscription, use that coupon code NIGHT25, that's K-N-I-G-H-T, Two five, and that will save you 25% off when you do subscribe. All right, it's time to go to Coach's Corner. Up first, we have Jinx head coach Keith Riggs following a huge backyard bowl win over their rival Union, 22 to nothing on the road, shutting out Union for a second consecutive year. And their head coach, Keith Riggs, joins us right now on the Prep Red Zone Week 2 Recap Podcast. And our first guest here on the Week 2 Recap Podcast from Prep Red Zone, Oklahoma, is Jinx head coach Keith Riggs after his Trojans went on the road in the Backyard Bowl and knocked off Union. Not only knocked them off, but shut them out for the second straight year. And, Coach, obviously several headlines coming out of this game. 
Uh, the freshman shaker making his first start, but I don't want to start there. I got to start on the defensive side of the ball, coach. We'll definitely get to the QB, but the defense pitching another shutout uh, against Union and specifically this Union team where their rushing game, running attack is, is so dangerous. You kept them off the scoreboard for a second straight year. Uh, that's a that's a pretty special special thing on that side of the ball. Well, thank you, Michael. I, I, our defense has been playing really well this year. All three games, I think, you know, they've played at a high level. A lot of returning starters, a lot of guys that have played in big games and, and know what they're all about. And uh, it, it really is an accomplishment to um, to keep uh, a Union offense out of the end zone because uh, you just have to look at the first two games. You know, they they were playing at a really high level running the ball really, really well, two outstanding running backs. And uh, so, uh, yeah, hats off to our defense and how well they played. Now let's get to the quarterback. Obviously that was a a big headline coming out of it. Um, You know, Shaker making his first start. And, you know, everybody knew uh, coming into this fall, uh, especially after watching the scrimmage, that he had some talent. Uh, There's no doubt about it. And uh, obviously he was right there with Ike. Um, but you know, reading the story about making that decision on Thursday after practice, Shaker doesn't even know that he's going to start until the morning of the backyard bowl. Coach, it's the backyard bowl. It's Jinx Union, and it's a freshman at quarterback. Uh, I think you know. I, I mentioned it earlier on the podcast. I think it just it goes to show you how much faith and confidence that you guys have as a coaching staff in him uh, to go ahead and pull the trigger on that. Because for a lot of kids his age. They would fold at that moment. He didn't. He played incredibly well. Well, Shaker throughout the the summer and fall has shown great um, composure, I think, and uh, very, you know, quiet confidence about him, uh, very even-tempered, doesn't get too high or too low, and, uh, you know, it was was a tough decision on when, when to tell him uh, tough decision just to make, you know, uh, the change. Uh, both great kids, both great competitors, uh, both working very hard. Um, but, you know, Shaker, I mean, you saw what we have seen in practice. You know, he, he you know, even throwing the, the first the first pass, you know, an interception, but he doesn't, doesn't get rattled. He goes right back to work and uh, really, really had a solid game Friday night. Yeah, I mentioned that as well where, you know, he's making his first ever start, the first throws a pick, and then what does he do? Well, the next one is a touchdown. Um, Now a lot of that had to do with the blocking. It was a screen pass, but at the same time he's able to bounce right back. Um, You mentioned how tough of a decision it was, and that's kind of something else that I talked about. At the end of the day, these are high school kids, and and it's always tough when you have a moment, you know, a situation like this come up because – you know, as much as there's excitement around Shaker, and yeah, it, it's it's a great opportunity for him. At the same time, someone else is let down. It's a tough pill to swallow. Um, I know that as a coaching staff, it, it was a difficult one to finally make. It was, and you know, like I said, two great kids. You know, you don't want to see either one of them disappointed, or you know, or put in that situation. Um, and, you know, we, as coaches, we get so close to them, you know, it, it is, it's really tough to, to 
break bad news to one of them, uh, regardless of which one it is, and regardless to which position. You know, the quarterback position is such a um, public. I mean, everybody sees it. It's talked about. You know, it it gets all the attention. You know, it, it happens at other positions equally difficult, you know, regardless of the circumstances or position, uh, to have to make a move like that. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I, I, granted, look, a lot of this job that, that I do, it's about, you know, stories like this, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I try to, to, to put an importance on taking a step back and saying, look, you know, just talk about the positives with this kid. You know, don't talk about the negatives because at the end of the day, it's a tough thing. It absolutely is. And so um, definitely wanted your thoughts on that as well. Now, you know, moving forward, Jinx 2-1, and one, a big win over Union. Uh, you were able to rally against Bixby. That one fell short, but able still to, to show a lot in that game as well. Coming out of non-district play now, uh, you get probably what is a much-needed week off in week three to kind of catch your breath before entering district play. Um, you know, what are some things that you've learned about your ball club after the first three games of the season? Well, I, I think we, I don't know. You would say we learned it. We felt really good about our defense and they, they have, have proven that that is the case. You know, they're playing at a really high level and, and a lot of playmakers, um, on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, no real, what I would say is just a weakness, you know, pretty solid at every position. And uh, so really pleased with where we're at there. Um, obviously, we're going to have to continue uh, to grow and develop as the season goes on over there. Offensively, you know, some new guys on the offensive line. I feel like after, you know, three games, they have continued to steadily get better and better. Uh, which is exactly what you want from from new players, new starters, and uh, just you know something we talked about a lot last week with our team is just being more consistent. You know, uh, even in the first two games, we had a lot of really good plays, but we had some really bad plays as well. And just bringing up the level of consistency of our play across an entire game, and I felt like we made a lot of progress there. Uh, in the union game we need to continue to to grow in that area i mentioned uh the week off uh coming up here in in week three um you're able to get healthy you know for some to 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 heal up some some bruises some some nicks uh here and there but at the same time district play right around the corner you'll open up with enid and then uh, a big week five game on the road against Broken Arrow. In the next two weeks, Coach, you know, what? what's something you want to see from your ball club other than, you know, improving that consistency, as you mentioned? What are some things that you want to see uh, your team build off of, obviously, the win against Union uh, and then going into an off week before you guys open up uh, the district slate where the games start meaning a whole lot more because you start thinking about playoff seeding with each and every single win and loss in district play? Absolutely. Uh, those district games are, are the really important ones. Uh, you know, coming into this week, no real big injuries, but, but a lot of things, as you, as you mentioned, you know, you're just, when you play big games like this and four full quarters, you're a little beat up. So it's a chance to, to kind of get that back and, and a little recovery time. But I think for us, you know, we, We've got a bunch of guys, returning starters, playing really well. 
but there's some young guys we have that we're really excited about and and you know this week and and maybe the next well certainly this week you know just continuing their development and starting to kind of work them into um, the rotation at their position because we have several guys that are really close to that and we want to continue to develop those guys and start getting them worked in and you know every one of those guys that can get into a game and help us is going to make us stronger as we move through district play. And we go from Keith Riggs and the Jinx Trojans to Stillwater knocking off Mustang and one of the more exciting get let you know what Let's just drop that uh, uh, one of the more. Let's just throw that out. It was the most exciting game uh, from week two, and we're talking with their head coach, Tucker Barnard of the Stillwater Pioneers, next here on the Week 2 Recap Podcast from Prep Red Zone. And our next guest here on the Prep Red Zone Week 2 Recap Podcast is Stillwater head coach Tucker Barnard. Coach, uh, I was there for that one on Friday with Mustang, and I was joking with you before the game. I know a lot of the state's attention was on Jinx Union or Owasso BA, but I told you I was like, I like that Stillwater Mustang game. Uh, you meant you joked with me and said you hope it you hoped it lived up. Man, did it! Uh, Thirty-two to twenty-eight. I think uh, it's pretty safe to say that one lived up to the billing. Oh yeah, it was uh, a great football game. Uh, you know, we we. Uh... And Mustang is a is a is a really good football team. Coach Blankenship and those guys have done a done a heck of a job there. And and uh, man, that was it was a really physical uh, uh, game. I mean, one of the one of the more physical games that we've been a part of in in uh, in my time here. Um, you know, just a bunch of bunch of big old dudes that they had over there, and and uh, really really physical football game. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, obviously, uh, you get the win, thirty-two to twenty-eight. Gage Gundy with a, a sixty-yard touchdown pass with forty-nine seconds. But the drive before that, Mustang has first and goal at the one, and then your defense is able to push them back to the twenty-two, and yet they still score on a fourth and goal from their twenty-two yard line. For a lot of teams, that can be deflating. Uh, for your team, it wasn't. Was uh, you know dur- during that uh, during that drive when you know we started we started backing them up and um, you know we we uh, we actually pulled the offense all together um, and uh, so I guess it was third down and we kind of started talking to them and and uh, just trying to take the take the offensive guys mind off of what was happening you know defensively and and uh, I, I know that they were you know they were kind of building up their, themselves to, to for a celebration and. And uh, we just tried to take their minds off of that and tell them that, you know, our, our mindset as an offense right now needs to be that we have to go 80 yards and score, right? We just have to, we have to assume that something crazy is going to happen and they're going to score and, and we, you know, we can't, we can't be deflated here. So we were, we were actually kind of preparing for that situation. Um, you, I don't know, you might say that's negative coaching. I don't know, but um, we were, we were preparing for that, for that situation kind of as it happened. And, and uh, I was actually, I was actually, Still talking to the defense when the when the touchdown was scored. I didn't I didn't even see the I didn't even see the play happen. And and uh, but real proud of our guys. I mean he, I mean they they really they really kind of stuck with it and and uh, you know we're we're believing in what we were saying and and went out and executed the next drive. Yeah. So Mustang scores on fourth down. Stillwater then scores on fourth down. And I joked with Gage 
uh, after the game, I was like, man, you, you just needed five or six yards to pick up the first down, and instead of that, he decided to go for the for the kill shot and the touchdown. Um, just talk about his performance throughout the night. Obviously, you know he, he'll get a lot of press and pub, and rightfully so for the. Uh, game-winning touchdown. He threw four on the night, but a lot of what he was able to do was also set up by the running game as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he was. Yeah, he was 14 of 18 for about 200 yards and four touchdowns and no picks, and um, so he he obviously had a had a great night. You know, on the on the last play, um, on the last play, we, we we froze him. You know, to get a kind of get a look at the at the defense and see if we could you know see if we could get a, a hint at what they were doing and. And uh, you know, we saw the saw the linebacker, you know, showing that showing that he was coming, and saw the safety rotation, and and uh, so it you know gave us a gave us a view. So we we changed changed the play to the to the post to Heston, and and uh, and it was a you know well executed ran, ran a ran a great route. The protection was the protection was pretty good. We actually had a we actually had a, a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a bust in the protection and. And uh, the linebacker linebacker comes comes kind of free and, and gets a little bit of hit on Gage, but he but he stood in there and, and delivered the ball. But uh, throughout the course of the night, I mean, he just he did a really nice job of, of uh, distributing the football and and uh, making his reads. And and there were you know I think we threw um, I think we threw ten ten drop back passes um, on, on the night, which is not not something that we typically do um but uh the protection was was really really good uh most of the night and and uh gage was gage was throwing great balls and and uh you know mason and and uh ty and and heston all all had big nights receiving the running game was good as well noah roberts over 100 yards for the second straight week um the other thompson boy had, had a good night holden uh, running the ball as well. Even Gage, you know, he tucked it and ran it a, a few times and had some success there. And so that was one of the big questions, right, with Stillwater after Quantrell graduates and you have a, a, an all-time back like that leave is who who's going to be next? You know, how do you replace them? And for, through the first couple of weeks of the season, it doesn't seem like you guys are, are having much of a problem running the football. You know, it, it was uh, it was not easy um, uh, running running the football on, on Friday. Uh, you know, the the again, I think I think our offensive line did a, and fullbacks did a great job blocking, um, and and the backs backs made some nice reads and some nice cuts. And um, but it, it was it was tough sledding. And, uh, um, right right now, it's taken you know it's taken two two backs to replace Quantrell, but. Uh, we've we've been really really pleased with the way both of those guys are developing Holden and and uh, and Noah both are uh, I mean they're they're really different style um, tailbacks um, but I, I I really think the combination of the two um, is going to continue to get better and better throughout the throughout the course of the year. Now obviously Friday's win uh, incredibly exciting uh, but I joked with Gage there isn't a whole lot of time to celebrate um, considering who's next up on the schedule. Um, you get Bixby on the road. Um, you know, they took week two off after playing week zero and week one, uh, renewal of a rivalry. Obviously this one's going to be big, but at the same time, it is still just week three. It's non-district. There's a lot of thing, a lot of football left to be played this year, but man, coach, obviously this one's going to be a big one coming up. Yeah, it's going to, uh, we, we can't wait. I mean, we, we, uh, 
we like to test ourselves in the in the non-district schedule and and uh you know it's something that i really kind of learned at shiloh christian that if you can find a way to really test yourself in the, in the non-district and and you know find out your weaknesses find out the things that you need to fix you know before you get into district play and and uh boy we we have had uh we've had two really really tough matchups already and and uh obviously i think you know in my opinion bixby's the the best team in in all of oklahoma football um uh, i think they have been for the for the last few years you know and um so we're gonna we're gonna have a a a great uh a great job ahead of this i mean it's going it's going to be a tough one um but we're we're looking forward to it i mean we 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 really enjoy that that matchup and and uh uh, we're, we're not we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves i mean you know the obviously we we talk a little bit about our our end goals and we want to play a state championship and, and, and of course win a state championship. But, but we, we talk a bunch about that. We just kind of have to, you know, you kind of look up, uh, and, and, and take a glance at those goals, kind of the future, but you got to put your head, head back down and, and get right here in the present, you know, be where you are and, and, uh, and win, win today, you know, so, um, we're just, we're just one day at a time. Um, brought our kids in today on Sunday and had a, had a little workout and, and, uh, you know, it's a good, good day today, so um, we'll just try to try to keep it going and, and uh, have a good week of practice. That was Stillwater head coach Tucker Barner joining us here on the Week 2 Recap podcast from Prep Red Zone, Oklahoma. And our final guest is Dell City head coach Robert Jones as uh, the Eagles took on Carl Albert in an annual rivalry game, and it, it, uh, it was a blowout. Dell City winning that one comfortably, 52-20. to 20. And we talk with their head coach, Robert Jones, next here on the Week 2 Recap Podcast from Prep Red Zone, Oklahoma. And our next guest here on the Prep Red Zone Week 2 Recap Podcast is Dell City head coach, Robert Jones. Dell City bouncing back after a, a tough loss to Booker T with a big, big win over rival Carl Albert. Coach, 52-20. to 20. Uh, Not many people saw that one coming as uh, those two rivals... Uh, I expected a fairly close game, but uh, your team came out and dominated uh, extremely well from start to finish. Yes, sir. You know, um, in, the, we, in the previous years when we played Carl Albert, there's been some yellow butters. You know, uh, the last three out of four ones, you know, one time it went to double overtime, and then last year it came down to the last possession. But previously in the year before that, you know, they came and had a great first quarter and jumped up on us 21-0. to So, uh, in this rivalry, it has been games to where it got kind of lopsided. But going into the game and even going into uh, the second quarter, uh, it was a dogfight. And I felt like that game was going in the direction like it was in the, in the previous year, that it was going to come down to the last possession, the last quarter. Uh, we took a two-touchdown lead going into halftime. And, you know, we came out, you know, I told our kids, you need to – you know, the score is 0-0. Zero zero. They're a proud, uh, tradition-rich program. They're going to come out and they're going to fight to the last whistle. So we knew that they were going to come out and give us a fight, uh, give us an initial punch in the third quarter. And we absorbed that punch and we responded. And I felt like we took control of the game in the third quarter. And uh, that was a big emphasis all week because um, we felt like, you know, we had to lead against Booker T going into halftime. Um, and they, they had a great third quarter and we didn't respond. So we preached that all week that when we get in the third quarter, we got to respond. We got to be able to play in the third quarter and fourth quarter like we did in the previous two. And uh, it was good to see the team take that coaching and take that, that principle and be able to take it to the call out of the game. 
I know that this one had a little more, uh, you know, a little more importance than, than some of the, the previous ones with, with Coach Dunn being on the other sideline. Um, we had him on last week and talked about, you know, how, uh, you know, it was going to feel, it, it was going to feel a little different after, you know, you know, being with Dell City for several years. Um, I know it, it's a little easier coming out of it with a win, um, but it had to feel feel kind of strange going against uh, your former uh, uh, coaching buddy with, with Coach Dunn at, at Carl Albert now. Yeah, it, it was a lot of different storylines that, that made it a surreal feeling. You know, first of all, I went to high school there. You know, I went to high school there. Um, I, I, I played football, won a couple of state championships in football. I ran track and won a couple of state championships in track. Um, I still have a very close relationship with Gary Rose. I go and eat at his house every Wednesday. Uh, and, and, you know, and I coached there as well. I coached there for two years, and I was able to get a state championship as an assistant coach. And then you add that to, you know, me coaching at six different schools with Coach Dunn in Texas, um, and then coaching with him for four years at Dell City. If you throw all those in, in a pot and stir it up, that's just a lot of good storylines leading up to that game. So when I walk onto the field and walk into that stadium, it was just such a surreal feeling coaching as a head coach, coaching against my former school, coaching against my former friend and other guys on the staff as well that I'm close with. So it was a surreal feeling. Um, and and it's, it's kind of crazy because me and Coach Dunn, have spoke about this 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 moment for years. We always talked about how we would approach it if we coached against each other. We always kind of joked around, around about it, and for for that to be able to come to life, it was just it was a surreal feeling, you know. So I was excited about it, um, you know. Win or lose, I was, you know, I, I I knew I wanted to be in those type of games. I knew that I wanted to coach against those type of programs, and I'm just thankful that I was able to do it against a good friend and do it against one of my former uh, my former high school. Yeah, well, you're one to know. You're one to know in the head-to-head department with uh, with Coach Dunn, and I know he already has next year's uh, meeting circled on the calendar. So uh, it's going to be an even, you know. Look, it's always well, actually, a good. Re- actually, we won't be playing. Um, you know, I was, you know, I was on the impression that, you know, we're dropping down the five and, and you know, Coach Dunn didn't, uh, for whatever reason, he, he didn't want to play, and I respected that. Everybody has different philosophies. Uh, but we will carry on the tradition playing with Midwest City. Uh, we actually open up with Choctaw next year in zero week, and we'll have Booker T week one and, and Midwest City week two. So um, unless we see them in the playoffs, that'll probably be the last time for a while, um, at least for a few years, unless we, we get it back on the schedule um, after two years. But we won't. But that was the last meeting for a while. Oh, man. Well, well, I, that that's breaking news right there. I did not know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, I, I hope that it, it's hopefully uh, just a short hiatus because this rivalry, uh, has been definitely, you know, a, a fun one to watch over the last several years. You mentioned your team finishing in, in the second half this week, as opposed to the Booker T game. Um, you know, just talk about, you know, what led to that, uh, you know, w- what adjustments were made from week one to week two, where you guys were able to to go into halftime and, and then close things out in the second half? Well, you know, um, first Booker T, you know, we had 150 yards of penalties and we had two turnovers. And the two turnovers set up scores. One of them was a scooping score. And the next one, we, we fumbled inside our own 10-yard line so that we gave them the ball and the goal line. So you can't spot teams like Booker T or Carl Albert 14 points then also give them 150 yards of penalties. 
So we we've been preaching that all week. Like we got we have to focus on ourselves. If we eliminate the penalties, we eliminate the turnovers, and the team beats us. That's fine. But we cannot spot them points. We cannot spot them yardage by our undisciplined um, actions. So our team knew that. We talked about it all week. We knew that if we came out and we, we focused on ourselves, we focused on the details and the fundamentals of the game, and we knew we didn't have any penalties or turnovers, we, we really liked, liked our chances going into that game. The rushing attack obviously was, was you know, hands down uh, a big reason why you were able to win this game. They had a lot of – you had a lot of success running the football. Um, you know, just talk about what you guys were able to see uh, from Carl Albert defensively that led to, to you having that type of success running the ball. Well, we knew when I when I got this job, one of the first things I wanted to do was to improve the offensive line, and I wanted the offensive line to be tougher, um, and I wanted them to be able to um, set their standard and set their tone in these type of games. And we worked hard on that in the off season. We worked harder on this summer, um, and then versus Booker T, we had 375 yards rushing um, with four touchdowns. So um, we knew going into the Booker T game, they had four defensive backs that are Division One players. So we knew that. The opportunities to throw will be slim. So we wanted to really establish the run. So getting 375 yards against an athletic, fast defense like Booker T, it really gave us the confidence to be able to run against anybody in the state. So we knew that we will be able to run the ball just because the game against Booker T, we had so much success. And then we knew we were going to just keep improving as an offensive line, as a, um, as a coaching staff, and as the running backs. So, um, you know, we're averaging – we, we had 240 yards rushing, so we're averaging 300 yards rushing on the season. And then we also have a good master running backs. You know, you get Jason Smith. He's a very big, powerful kid. He's 6'2", 240 pounds. He's still agile enough to kind of make you miss, but he, he's a tough kid for any high school DB or linebacker coming downhill, hitting a 240 kid, moving is pretty tough. And then you add Ethan Lawrence, you know. He came over from Westmore to us. And so they got a good pound and, and kind of slash type, um, backfield with those two guys, and then you throw in Virgil Yates, our, our quarterback. He's also a threat that can take it at any time. So you get a three-headed horse like that, and then you get an offensive line that's improving and that has good size. Uh, it just sets us up in a good situation to be successful running the ball. Definitely want to get to uh, this week's game with Bishop McGinnis, but uh, one more question on, on uh, your team before we get to, to week three. You mentioned the offensive line and the improvement that you've had. I think that uh, look, I, I'm not there every single day, but I have to imagine them going against that defensive line that you have with, you know, guys like Jaden Foreman and and you mentioned Jason Smith. I know he's more of a linebacker, but also David Stone, the young sophomore. I have to think that going against a really strong defensive line, which is what you have, certainly helps the offensive line get better. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, and that's what we do. And that's a great point. I didn't even think of that. Um, but we do. We have our offensive line go against them every week, uh, every day in practice. It's physical. You know, we go full pass and we get after it. I'm old school. I believe that you have to get your body prepared for the physicality that the Friday nights bring. bring and the only way to do that is in practice. So, yeah, those guys going against the likes of David Stone and Jaden Foreman and Darius Hampton. Darius Hampton has offers from uh, UCO, East Central, um, Missouri State. So he he's a, a high caliber D two player and possibly Division One if he continues to have the year that he's having right now. Um, so you get that type of defensive line, and then you get the linebackers. You know, Jason Smith who's six two two forty, and Brian Stocker who's six two two fifty. So if you get that type of defensive line and linebackers, and you're going against them in practice, once you get to the game, it is a little bit easier. 
especially from a talent level. So I think our guys are prepared, and I think, you know, they, they know if they could block those guys in practice that they could do anything in the game as far as blocking those off uh, defensive linemen and linebackers. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean that that's what I'd like to call trial by fire. I mean you're gonna yes, fi- you're gonna Absolutely. you're gonna figure Absolutely. out yeah you're gonna figure out real fast uh, how you stack up. Uh, we mentioned Bishop McGinnis, and we'll get out of here on this. Uh, you know they they got a huge win as well in a rivalry game. They bounced back. Uh, you know from their week zero loss to Coweta by beating up on their rival Bishop Kelly. Um, they have a, a fantastic running back as well, and Michael Taffy. Um, you get them on Friday in the last uh, tune-up before district play begins. You know, uh, you know what's what's something that you want to see from your ball club in, in this game against a McGinnis team that uh, you know that'll be a future uh, future rival perhaps in Class Five A when you drop down next year. But for now, it's the last tune-up game before district play begins. Well, actually, since I've been since I came from Texas, we moved back. This will be my fifth time. Well, actually, my, let me see. We played them in the playoffs twice. We played. This will actually be my fourth time, fifth time coaching against them. So, you know, we, we coached against them the first game of the season, and then and we coached against them in the playoffs my first year. So I'm very familiar with them. They're a tough team. They're very similar to Carl Albert tradition-wise. You know, um, a coach made a comment today. They're the Buffalo Bills of, of 5A. You know, they don't made it to four state championships out of the last six. They just couldn't get over that hump with Carl Albert. So they're a state championship caliber team and, and they play like it and they play with they play with discipline. They focus on details and they play hard. They play with a relentless effort. So it's it's, it's like you're looking at a team that's just like Carl Albert. So um, I'm excited about it. You know, that's my philosophy. I want to play these type of teams. I want to play against teams that have state championship aspirations. So when we get in the playoffs, we, we've been in those type of environments. So um, th- this game has been historically close as well. I remember the first year we played them, um, we came down to the last possession and we lost by four. And in the playoffs, it came down to the last possession. That's where we're going in the score to take the lead and we fumble into your line. And then the following year, we kind of jumped up and got on them. But, and then, Another time we were down uh, 14 to 17, and we, you know, Quinlan Gunther takes us down and, and drives to get a game winning touchdown with, uh, you know, 39 seconds left. So, historically, this game has been very, very competitive. It's been similar to our games with Carl Albert. So, I like the matchup. I'm excited about it. And, you know, I'm ready to see our kids continue to stack those bricks to build this foundation to be able to be a district champion like we want to be. My thanks to Robert Jones, head coach of the Dell City Eagles, joining us on this edition of the Prep Red Zone Recap Podcast Week 2 edition. Before we get out of here, uh, we want to recognize some of the top performers from Week 2 across the state. Again, you can check those out, uh, more in-depth breakdown. Also, uh, gonna check out you can check out the full list. These are just a couple of the top performers from last week. We mentioned uh, Cushing quarterback Blaze Berlowitz. He threw for over 450 yards and six touchdowns. Another quarterback that threw for six touchdowns was cash-in quarterback Ben Harmon as they continue to uh, dominate here early on in the season. Uh, A few more quarterback uh, performances. Carson May and Jones bouncing back after an 0-2 start. They beat up on Luther on Friday night. May, an Iowa commit, uh, he threw for nearly 300 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, This week's top performer list was very quarterback-heavy. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but a couple of guys who had some really good all-purpose performances. Marcus Dawkins Jr. from Moore, a really good game. 
uh, in their win over Norman. Moore is off to a 3-0 and start to the year, and uh, Dawkins certainly plays a large part in that. He has uh, he had nearly 300 yards of all-purpose yardage in their win over Norman. Ran for over a buck 30. Also had three catches for 70 yards. Took the opening kick back for a touchdown. He had a good game. Michael Taffy from Bishop McGinnis. Uh, he scored four touchdowns the uh, first, uh, four, or excuse me, four touchdowns in the first eight touches. Uh, he also, I mean, he runs the ball. He also is used as a receiver quite often for Bishop McGinnis. So, obviously, McGinnis blowing out Bishop Kelly. Uh, Michael Taffy, their junior running back, had a big night as well. Before we get out of here, we want to take a sneak peek at Week 3 and talk a little bit about some of the top matchups coming up. Again, you can check out the complete top 10 games every single Monday on Prep Red Zone Oklahoma. And uh, we mentioned one of those big games already, talking with Stillwater head coach Tucker Barnard as Stillwater will go on the road to take on Bixby. Bixby has won 38 consecutive games, and the Pioneers will try to end that streak. Uh, A couple of those uh, 38 consecutive wins came against the Pioneers over the last three years, Uh, both of those coming in state championship games. So Stillwater certainly has had this one circled on their calendar for a while. Another game that I personally uh, will be at and cannot wait for is number one versus number one, champion versus champion. Uh, we had it a couple weeks ago with Bixby going on the road to take on Jinx, and we'll have it again this week, again in the Tulsa area, as uh, defending 3A champion Holland Hall will uh, travel uh, across town just a few miles uh Uh, What is that? About a few miles north and west of their campus uh, to Metro Christian, the defending 2A state champions. So it's number one versus number one, champion versus champion. I cannot wait for that game uh, on Friday night. So that's uh, more than likely going to be our game of the week. And honestly, it's 1A and 1B when you're talking about that one and Bixby Stillwater. Both are going to be outstanding matchups. You also have Cushing at Berry Hill, uh, Millwood at Clinton, Bishop McGinnis at Dell City. That one's going to be good. Both teams bouncing back after uh, losing their first games uh, in big ways. So what's going to happen there? So just a, a brief look at some of the top games coming up in week three. Again, you can check out our complete top ten games on Monday right here on Prep Red Zone Oklahoma. But that does it for this edition of the Prep Red Zone Recap Podcast, breaking down and looking back at all the action that happened in Week 2. My thanks to Jinx head coach Keith Riggs, Stillwater head coach Tucker Barnard, and Dell City head coach Robert Jones for joining us on this edition of the Prep Red Zone Recap Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday for the preview pod, taking a look at Week 3. Uh, We want to remind you, if you haven't done so already, you can get all of our podcast content for free. Just hit subscribe on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is search for Prep Red Zone Oklahoma, and then you'll get all of our preview and recap podcasts sent directly to your phone, tablet, computer, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you just check us out on the web, we appreciate that as well. But until Thursday, we have plenty of content coming up on the web as well. We mentioned the top 10 games Coming out on Monday, we'll have another practice report. We'll have another uncommitted spotlight. Uh, we'll have more content dropping daily 
on the website. So if you haven't subscribed already, uh, as always, we have that coupon code. It'll save you 25%. Just enter NIGHT25. That's K-N-I-G-H-T, the number 25. We'll save you 25% off your subscription. We thank you for checking us out here with the Week 2 Recap Podcast. Until Thursday, when we'll be breaking down all the Week 3 action, this has been your host, Michael Knight, the director of Prep Red Zone Oklahoma, and we'll talk to you on Thursday.